Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Good morning, Thrive. How are we doing this morning? Good. Uh, quickly, after Easter, um, at some point, we're going to be going to two worship experiences here. I'm not going to give you times and dates because you're trying to wrap your head around Easter right now. Um, but one of the reasons is when you reach 80% capacity, last week we were at 105% capacity. Um, when you reach 80% capacity, amen, for our, our, our baptisms, um, you know, it's a time you got to start really looking at doing that um, so people don't feel too uncomfortable and things of that nature. Luckily today, there are people who are sleeping in because of daylight savings time, so you got a good parking space uh, today. I also want to say, man, what an awesome week last week. 32 people between both locations were water baptized to kick off 2018. Um, we're going to have another water baptism in July, and so I just want to uh, encourage you, if you've not taken that next step in obedience uh, to, to Jesus, to do that. Uh, in July, it's going to be phenomenal. Um, we have a we have a big blast then, so we'll have sign-ups for it, so get ready for that. Uh, but today, if you can, go ahead and turn to Galatians 5.16 in your copy of God's Word, Galatians 5.16. I want to answer the question today, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to influence every part of our life? What does it look like for the Holy Spirit to influence every part of our life? I remember whenever um, I was... Uh, that's probably 20 years ago. I was trying to actually time this and I couldn't. You know, you're getting old and you can't remember the exact times, right? Used to, I could really know dates and times. But I remember I worked at my dad's concrete company. They came up with this really cool new type of concrete. Now, as you know concrete, the concrete you may have in a driveway or the sidewalks that you walk on, when water hits it, what happens to the, to, to the, the water? It runs off, right? Uh, maybe some of it gets down into the, to the concrete, maybe a little bit, but for the most part, that, that water just runs off the concrete. Well, they came up with this concrete that's permeable, meaning that water can actually penetrate and go through the concrete to the ground below. I remember when we first tested this. Matter of fact, that little patch there, which is almost probably a little bigger than this, this platform here, when they poured it, and I got to help my dad and the plant manager test it. And we were spraying water hoses on it and looking at it, we're like, whoa, because like the water, like not all of it went down, but like 90%, and then it just went down. It's like, this is the coolest thing ever, like permeable concrete. And I was just infatuated with the mix design and how they did it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Well, I want to submit to you today that many times in our life, we're not like the permeable concrete. We're like the regular concrete when it comes to the Holy Spirit. It comes to God working in our hearts. Many times what happens is it runs off of us. Maybe a little bit gets in there, you know, concrete gets wet, but it doesn't permeate our entire life. And as we're continuing our series in this verse-by-verse study in the book of Galatians, we now come to a part in the book of Galatians where you're going to see Paul start emphasizing something called the Spirit. Remember, this is Paul's first letter. And so there's a reason that he writes everything that he writes. And that's why it's so important to understand the Jewish context and understand his context. If you just read it and just start applying it, you have no clue why he's doing that. Today, when he goes in this whole idea of the Spirit, he does this again 
again in Romans too. If you read the book of Romans, um, you'll see the, the idea of the spirit. And the reason is Roman Galatians are mirrors of each other. Actually, Romans is a much longer version of Galatians um, about being justified by faith alone, being saved by faith alone. And so Paul goes in this whole disposition on the spirit to the Galatians. And here's why. As I said before, this is the first church Paul planted. He planted it among non-Jews. That means, again, you and I, Gentiles, non-Jewish believers. And the Jewish believers in there had this really hard time understanding what these non-Jews had to do to be saved. So here's what happened. Some of the Jews said, non-Jews, here's what you need to do. You need to become Jewish to be fully saved because Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. So you need to actually obey the 613 laws that Moses gave Israel. You need to be circumcised men. So they started going in and giving all these regulations to be fully saved in this church that Paul planted. And this grieved Paul because these pagan non-Jews who were worshiping, uh, you know, demon gods and goddesses, Greek uh, gods and goddesses, had given their life to Jesus. They were, man, loving on Jesus. And all of a sudden, the religious Jewish group came in and said, no, 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 you're not really saved. Now, again, you know why, as I said before, they had every right to do this, though. The Jews did because the Jews there viewed the law as being from God as they should have. Remember Moses, the mountain, he gave all those laws, the first five books of the Bible. It's called the Pentateuch, and that's what they obeyed because God gave them that, and that was holy and sacred to them as it should. And they said, so to be fully saved, you need to obey 613 laws. You're like, that would be really hard. That'd be a very long 101. <laughs> and so these non-Jews are like, oh, okay, okay I'll, I'll do that. It's like the folks knock at your door until you're not really saved. You know, the, the, the people that come with the little tracks. <laughs> Here's what you need to do to be really saved. And that's what was happening to them. And it broke Paul's heart because Paul was a Jew. He said, you don't need to obey the 613 laws to be saved. That's what the whole book of Galatians is about. It says the law, it's the Mosaic law, the law given from Moses. And the other thing about, the, about that to be saved, they believe you could attain righteousness before God if you obeyed those. That's how you were, you were saved. That's how you were made right with God is by obeying the law that he gave them. So inside the temple, the Jewish temple and the Holy of Holies, they had the Ten Commandments, which was the pretty much the cliff notes of the 613. If you, if you do those, you could stay in the path, right? They had that, and they believed inside that temple is where God's spirit dwelt. They believed that, and, it, it, and it, he did, God dwelt in the Jewish temple in the Holy of Holies, and no man like you or I or a woman, just regular people could go traipsing in there. Matter of fact, the priest went in, the Jewish priest, every year he went in, once a year to offer up sacrifices for the sins of the Jewish people. And, if, and here's what tradition said, they would tie a rope around his leg and put a bell around it because he may die going in the presence of God. And it would drag him out. That's how dangerous it was. So I want you to understand something that's happening here in, in the book of Galatians before we start reading. Number one, Paul is putting in juxtaposition the law and the spirit. Because they believe that the law, number one, tells you what to do. The law is what you, you know it, you can see it, it's tangible, you obey it, and you do it. The second thing I want you to realize is the Jews did not understand God's spirit dwelling in mankind. 
They still viewed the temple as being the center point of God's activity, the Jewish temple. And so when you read this, and we're going to this a little bit more, I want you to understand what Paul's doing here. He's putting literally the law and the spirit against each other. And that's why Paul brings in this idea of the spirit. Why would Paul talk about the spirit? There's the reason. Because he is putting it in direct opposition against the Mosaic law. So look at this here. He says in verse 16 of uh, Galatians chapter 5, he says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Paul is totally flipping the script on the Jewish people there that was trying to tell the non-Jews to let the law guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That's that word flesh in the King James. Um, it's the sarks, it's called in the Greek. It's a, in the Greek, it's a cool name to call it. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Pause for a second there. You can give somebody laws to obey, but it doesn't change their heart. Right? And that's what Paul was putting there, that the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out, which we'll go into. He says these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Have you ever felt that in your life? Like, you know, you want to do this thing, you want to do what's right, you really want to do what God wants you to do, you want to do what the Bible says, and all this stuff, and you're like, but I just feel this, every time I want to do something good, there's something fighting it. That's what Paul is showing, is this war that's going on that the law does not show us. But when you are directed by the Spirit, and this is where he gets right to the point, you, you non-Jews there, and you Jews in the church in Galatia, are not under obligation to the law of Moses. That is huge. He just freed them from that. Look at verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, which we all have, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not, you have it as well. Uh, the results are very clear. And look, he gives you kind of a, a broad sweeping view of what this sinful nature produces. He says sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Like he goes from sexual morality to, to, to quarreling. There's something called social media, y'all. <laughs> I bet none of y'all look and say, man, I'm given into the sinful nature by quarreling. No, some people are just like, they just go after it. They have no restraint. Paul foresaw the future and saw social media and said that is part of the sinful nature. But watch it. He says jealousy, outburst of anger. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And watch this, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's huge there. Paul literally shows them what the, when you just go wild with the sinful nature, when you just give in to your flesh and you're not trying to listen to God or obey God, those things will come out in your life. But then he gives the opposite. Look at verse 22. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Say fruit, because that's very important, fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And verse 24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another to be jealous of one another. So Paul is showing them with, when you live a life of the sinful nature, these things will come out in your life. And when you live a life that has the fruit of the Holy Spirit, this will come out in your life. He shows you the view of those. Now, here's what we can take away from this. Here's the one takeaway today. And here it is. I want you to write this down. So central thought is this. Every follower of Jesus chooses to live a life fully influenced by the Holy Spirit. Followers of Jesus choose to live a life fully influenced by the Holy Spirit. Paul ended by saying, let every part of your life. How much? Every. And this is why this is so key. I told you before that the Jews believed that the Spirit dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And they, they, they believed that. And it was good. It's true. When Jesus came... He was telling the Jewish leaders that God will no longer dwell in a box anymore in this holy place in the Jewish temple, but he's going to dwell in people. God will become mobile. Like, this is crazy to them. They're like, this is the most, this is, this is the craziest thing they could have ever heard. And Jesus was announcing this. He didn't come to bring Judaism 2.0, a better law and some, some laws to make us better people. Literally what Jesus came to do through his death, burial, and resurrection was to restore relationship with us and our creator. And by giving us his spirit to live in us. And if we miss this, we'll turn Christianity into just a law-based religion. Do good, be good, act good. That's, that's, that's what it's about. We'd be no better off than the Galatians. Because here's the beauty about Christianity that Jesus came to establish. Paul was reminding them, was this here? God came to dwell inside of you. And friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, the only religion in the world that promises, not only does God uh, say and give you standards, but he says, I'll do it in you. He promises to come live inside of you. And here's my fear is that many believers go along their daily life and they never think about the spirit of God who dwells inside of them. They never even, it never crosses their mind. And furthermore, you're going to miss the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to transform your life, to bear fruit. I mean, I mean, you know, we, we can make Christianity into a law-based religion easily. I, you know, I got saved in a church that called themselves a spirit-filled church. Right? Like, I saw the lines of people line up, get bopped on the head. I saw, if it was crazy, I saw it. <laughs> Just let your mind go there and say, okay, he saw that. But as I began to, to, to mature in Jesus, one thing I noticed was this. They valued an experience, but the Holy Spirit didn't influence every part of their life. As I said before, 
And you've heard my, my, in church where I've been, you, you had what I call JFCs. You ever heard of JFCs? Jerk-faced Christians? <laughs> like literally, they'll drop the offering off and before they made it back to their seat, they've gossiped about four people. <laughs> I would see people who claim to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. And I'm an observer. I'm an analyzer. And, and I realized, though, the Holy Spirit didn't influence every part of their life. And that's the goal of every Christ follower. See what we do? We're masters at compartmentalizing what is ours and what is Jesus. This is, this is Jesus. He has church. He can get an hour on Sunday. Maybe I'll serve a little bit. I might even tip if the preacher impresses me in the offering plate. <laughs> but he is not getting my internet history. He's not touching my browser. He is not touching the things that I watch. He's not touching the way I handle my money. He's not touching what I put in my body. He's not touching my sexuality. See, see, we, we, we compartmentalize and we make in our lives Jesus having compartments. And the truth of the matter is he wants to influence your life in every part and in every way. He wants to permeate your life the same way that water did that. And I know you're saying, okay, it sounds good. I, I, I want to do this, but I'm not sure if I can. This is going to be hard. And here's why it's hard. Because either you're going to call yourself Lord of certain areas of your life, or you're going to let him be Lord. And this is a constant struggle, guys. I am not up here telling you I have it all together. Because I literally look at my life daily and say, man, Holy Spirit, you're not influencing me in this part of my life. Like the way I just argued with my wife, that was not Holy Spirit influenced. The way that I just acted to this person on the basketball court was not Holy Spirit influenced. The way I think about Carolina Tar Heel fans is not Holy Spirit influenced. Lord, help me. <laughs> But as I look at my life, I realize there's so many inconsistencies because I've not let the Holy Spirit influence my life. And here's why we really should dig in. I know you've got objections. I know you're saying, I'm not sure if I can do this. I'm not sure if I want to do this. I'm not sure if I want to go this far with Jesus. I like church. I like the music. I like, you know, the Bible. But I'm not sure I want to go this far. But here's what we'll ultimately miss out on. Not only will you miss out of knowing the most beautiful thing in the world of God's spirit dwelling in you. But here's the second thing. You're going to miss out reflecting Jesus to the world. Amen. Here's the thing about Christianity. God did not come to make you a better version of you. He didn't come to make you better. He came to transform you to the place that you're unrecognizable to the world. And when they see you, they get to taste Jesus. That's, amen. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is about. So, so when Paul gives you that list, do you understand that list he gave you? No law can produce that. Create ten commandments and it will not make you love people. You obey the law, but you can still resent them. It's like the speed limit. <laughs> if I just had a fist, five more miles per hour would be perfect. You're obeying it, but it's not changed your heart. And God came to transform us to a world that desperately needs to see love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, and goodness. The law cannot make you any of those things. 
being, trying to be a good Christian and a better version of you can't. But I tell you what, Kim, when you give the Holy Spirit permission in your life in every area, and every time you see the inconsistency, you pause and say, I see it. I see the sinful nature. I see this ugly beast rearing its head. And you know what, God? You have permission in this area of my life. I verbally do that. And let me tell you the other part. I have to verbally do that a lot. Because <laughs> if you're like me, You've got a million and one areas where you know that God needs to transform you from the inside out. And I'm right there with you. So here's, here's the one action step today. If you're going to take one step, if you're going to say, okay, I, I think I may try this. Here's the action step. We have two choices on what we choose to be influenced by. Our sinful nature or the Holy Spirit. It comes down to it. I heard one guy say this. You know, you got two dogs on your shoulders. You probably heard this as a youth group. You know, one's the spirit, one's the flesh. And the one you feed the most wins. You've probably heard that. But you do. You have two choices in every area of your life of what you will allow to be influenced by. The sinful nature or the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to do. Two takeaways. To be directed by your sinful nature. Watch this. Make sure to put pleasure and self first. To be directed by your sinful nature, make sure to put pleasure and self first. And before I, I jump into that scripture, there, I want to say something. See, we had this misnomer that God wants us happy. That's why Jesus came. God wants me happy. Nowhere in scripture will you ever find, that's one of those things that we like, cleanliness, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, John the Baptist sure didn't get that one, did he? He missed that scripture big time. But that's another, God wants me happy. Let me tell you something. God did not come to make you happy. He came, and if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples, listen to me, when he stood there that Jesus has resurrected, he's preaching his sermon in Matthew 28, and he tells them, he says, go. He says, make disciples of all nations, telling them that God wants them to be happy. Is that the way that scripture goes? He said, no, teach them to obey Teach them to obey. God doesn't want you happy. God wants you holy. And when you're set apart for him, you reflect him to a world that desperately needs that. But listen, in this generation, I call it the Dr. Phil and Oprah generation, we're all about, well, God wants me happy, so that's what it must be. Well, well, well listen, that's not what Paul said there. And we're going to read some verses again in Galatians. I want to nail this down because if, if somebody was to say this in this day and time, what would they be labeled as? And let's look. Galatians 5.19. This is, this is when you put self and pleasure first. Here's what happens. Paul says in Galatians 5.19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. The results are very clear. Sexual morality. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Sorcery. Which is witchcraft. And then he goes into to a lot of this horizontal stuff. Hostility. Quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you look at this, you would call Paul narrow-minded. You would call Paul judgmental. You have no right to judge me because God wants me happy. God wants your life influenced, every part of it, by the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants for you. And can I, can I tell you a secret? 
Sometimes it's just not easy and it's not the easiest thing to do. Sometimes it's hard giving those things over to Jesus and letting him influence it. God doesn't want you happy. He wants you holy. And when you let the fruit of the Spirit get birth in your life, you have joy. You have peace. Relationships are not full of drama and anger and everything else. See, that, that's the thing that gets me too. We'll say, okay, well, I'll, I'll give God this, I'll give God that, I'll give God this. But what about when somebody offends you? What about when you're jealous or envious? I mean, do you let the Holy Spirit influence you in that? Do you sit down and say, Holy Spirit, you know, maybe I'm being a baby. <laughs> you see how far this goes? It's not only vertical. See, we, we think of Christianity as just vertical. But the cross is vertical and horizontal. When the Holy Spirit influences you, he starts influencing your relationships. Do you understand that Paul went from personal things that then he went to some relational things because that church had some relationship issues in there. It tells about quarreling and dissensions and jealousy and envy and all that. So are we letting the Holy Spirit influence every part? And if you're not, these things will come out. Here's the, the second way. If, if, to be directed by the Holy Spirit, here's what you have to do. Be sensitive and be humble. To be directed by the sinful nature, put self and pleasure first, baby. Put on the back of your car, God wants me happy. But to be directed by the Holy Spirit, make sure to be very sensitive and humble. Because if you're going to follow Jesus and let the Holy Spirit work in you, you're going to have to eat some humble pie. You're going to have to be very sensitive to God. I've said this before, you're as close to God as you will ever be. Because you're justified, right? It's not like this thing where you keep floating closer to God if you, you know, if you had a good worship service and you float farther away. No, the key is how sensitive are you to the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's the key. So if you want to be direct, if you want a life fully influenced by the Holy Spirit, be sensitive and be humble. Now look what Paul says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. When you give permission... Love comes out. You're full of joy, man. It's not happiness. As Pastor Keith said earlier in that transition, Paul was in a jail cell writing about joy, a dirty dungeon. It produces joy in you. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. So if we're going to do this, if we're going to have a life that's fully influenced by the Holy Spirit in every part, then we have to be sensitive, number one, to God. Pause and be sensitive to him when you see the, 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 the sinful nature coming out, right? But second, be humble. Because you know what, what keeps us from being permeable? It's pride. It's an unwillingness to say I'm sorry. It's an unwillingness to say I'm wrong. It's an unwillingness in our life to say, you know what? I have got some inconsistencies in my life and I have not arrived. And I desperately need you, God, to fix this because I can't. You have, de listen, you have desires in you that you're like, man, some of y'all want to grab that bottle so bad and just down it, but you know what it could do to you. You know what Jesus will do? He'll change the desire of your heart. You're like, man, I don't even want it anymore. 
Y'all, I used to love cigarettes. I used to love camels. Some of y'all laugh because you used to too. Maybe you do. And you know what God did for me? He literally changed my heart. He wasn't like, stop doing this. I'm like, oh, okay. I just want one so bad. I just want to turn. God changes your heart. That is what Christianity is about. It's being sensitive and being humble and saying, I want to be like that concrete, this permeable God. Please influence every part of my life. And when you give permission, I guarantee your life will be unrecognizable from what it was before. God's not asking you to be a better version of you or to be good or to act better. He wants to literally transform you. God doesn't dwell in a church or in a box. He dwells in your heart. The Holy Spirit of God. Do you understand the same spirit that anointed David to slay Goliath lives in you? The same spirit that parted the Red Sea and did those miracles lives in you. The same spirit that anointed Jesus Messiah to do miracles lives in you. The same spirit coming up in less than a month. We're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. The same spirit that got Jesus up from the dead lives in you and lives in me. And friends, let me tell you, sometimes we think Christianity is just trying harder and being good and acting good. Not saying, man, we have the spirit of a living God dwelling in our hearts. And when you give permission to him to be a, a, a piece of permeable concrete in your life, he will transform you to the point you say, man, I can't even recognize the person I used to be. That's what Christianity is about. It's working from the inside out. So as we leave here this week, I want you, don't beat yourself up whenever you, you, you see the, that sinful nature coming out. Man, don't say, oh, I'm just looking bad. You are, we're all bad. We're not all good people, good hearts. No, we're pretty bad. Just look at humanity, right? Just get over it. Yeah, we are. Yeah, God, God, is, God does good things for bad people. He sent his son. Get over that part. You pause and say, Holy Spirit, I have struggled with this my whole life. It could be outbursts of anger. It could be jealousy. It could be, I'm not sure. It could be quarreling. Maybe you're one of the Facebook quarrelers. I don't know. And you're saying, God, I need you to do something in me that I cannot do in myself. Will you do that in me? And you'll start seeing fruit come out. And you'll say, man, where did that, where did, where did gentleness come from? I'm not known as being gentle. Where did this patience come from? Because I'm not known as being patient. And it's God in you. And then people will see Jesus and wonder what is so different about you. It's not because of what you don't do. It's because of who lives inside of you and what they see. They see fruit that they desire. And so this week as we go out, church, I want us to do that in our life. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to Donald Cross to be buried in a tomb for three days and to rise again, that your spirit got him up from the dead. We thank you that you no longer dwell in a box in the Holy of Holies with Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. You don't dwell there anymore, God, but you dwell inside followers of your Son. So today, God, 
for us today that are followers of you, we thank you, God, that you desire to permeate our whole life. We pray right now, God, that we would have the courage to be like that permeable concrete where the Holy Spirit just permeates our being. We pray right now, God, and we ask you to change our hearts, God. God, I see, and you know these conversations we have daily, so many inconsistencies in my life, God, that grieve my heart. God, it doesn't stop there. As I've asked you before and I ask you daily, continue to reveal in my heart and in our hearts together as followers of your son. Reveal to us, God, the areas that we still hold on to, the areas that we're putting in compartments that we want to own that you have no access to. Right now, God, we open our hearts up to you. We open our hearts up to you that you, Holy Spirit, would fill us, that you would invade every part of our life so we could experience the beauty of you dwelling in us daily and that people would see Jesus in our life. They would see the fruit of restored relationship with our Creator. God, we ask that today. And as we're praying today, church, uh, maybe you're at a place today and you want to be a follower of Jesus. You want to make the greatest decision and that's allowing the Holy Spirit to influence your life by giving your life to Jesus, surrendering to him. Right now where you're sitting, it's a a prayer that that you can pray, a confession of faith. Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And so today it's that simple. Maybe you know today is your day to become a follower of Jesus, a fully devoted follower. Today is your day where God comes to dwell in your heart. And you know this is the day. If that's you, I want you just to slip your hand up and say, Kevin, that's me. Amen. Amen. That's me. Amen. Anybody else? That's me. Right where you're sitting today, I want you to pray this with me. You say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I cannot save myself. But I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe he is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day to wash away my sins. Today, I repent and turn to Jesus. I receive full forgiveness of my sins. I receive your Holy Spirit to come dwell in my heart. And God, help me to live a life that is fully influenced by you in every way so the world may see your fruit of your spirit in my heart. And it's in Jesus' good name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody made decisions for Jesus today. Amen. There's people who made decisions for him. I I want us to do this. I want you to stand to your feet. This song that we're going to sing is called I Lay Me Down. And this song I want you to think about 
all week long as you sing this, as you see those inconsistencies just like I see in my life. I want us to worship with the worship team this morning, and I want us to sing this song, I Lay Me Down, because this song embodies the message all together of laying ourselves down. Let's sing. Let's sing.